Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Starting now, you can get a transcript of each week's Rich Dad Radio Show. Just visit www.richdad.com radio and download a copy today. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. It's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. The real theme of today's show is, are you a capitalist? Are you a socialist? Are you a communist? Or are you a fascist? So that's the theme of this show today. Because if you're a socialist, you believe that your dream should be everybody else's dream. I mean, we should all be equal. But if you're a capitalist, you just want to prove you know, that you can make it on your own. You can, you can do great things. So we have a battle today between what I say are the wimps and the other guy. And our guest today is the infamous Ken Langone. He's a co-founder of Head Home Depot. But we're, he's going to be talking about his latest book, I Love Capitalism. And my sweetheart Kim is out in Hawaii, and she's speaking from the People's Republic of Hawaii, where there is not one Republican in office because it's going the other way. The same as New York is going the other way right now. More and more socialists running the program. So, Kim, any comments before we bring Ken Langone on? I'd love to get started because Ken is a, 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 one of the most fabulous entrepreneurs and capitalists. Um, he's had some great stories to tell. He's got a lot of wisdom and he's got a lot of great advice. So I would like to get started and say welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. And Robert, I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you. It's our honor. So quick, really quickly, how in the world did you start Home Depot? I was just there the other day. Well, I that's, that's a big store. One store is huge, but you have a whole chain of them. <laughs> We have 2,300, 2,400 of them, roughly. Holy and uh, there was four of us. It was Bernie Marcus, Arthur Blank, myself, and shortly after we started Pat Farrer, so I consider him a founder as well. Uh, and we had a vision of an opportunity uh, you know, that existed in America. We saw the hardware industry, the home center industry, as being highly fragmented and, and uh, with incredibly high margins. And we thought that if we could put together a business where we could drive volume of enormous numbers through a store, we could afford a bigger store and we could afford an inventory like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, but that's, that's beyond, Ken, that is beyond bigger store. I mean, you guys have these monsters. There are coliseums oh, with lumber well, in them. Yeah, yeah well, look, but, but the biggest thing we saw as an opportunity was a highly motivated, well-trained group of people on the floor facing with, interfacing with a customer. Our, our, our strategy always has been built around these wonderful associates we've got. Now got we've got now over 400,000 of them. Jeez. And we own all our stores, and they all are associates of the company. They don't work for a franchisee. They've all done extremely well, thank God. We've never hired anybody for minimum wage, and we never will. We always, always do everything we can to be as inclusive as we can. And so we took this basic concept 
and applied all these principles, and we built a culture. And it's the culture that makes us different. You go to a Home Depot store, you typically you'll find a person with the orange apron on who's very happy being there and wants to help you and sincerely wants to help you. That's, that's true. So, you know, the, the only person that's not happy with you is I have, I have a friend who owns a little Ace Hardware store, and he's not happy with you because he's out, he's out of business now. <laughs> well, let me say this to you. He, he, in his case, he proved the point. They were getting outrageously high prices. Maybe they needed them, but they were getting outrageously high prices, and we saw this growing opportunity, home centers, uh, in a home, people owning homes, people building homes, people repairing homes. And we said, you know what, if we can figure a way out to get the widest selection to the customer with superb help, and I'll just mention one thing that makes me prouder of our company than anything else. We have 3,000 young people who typically got out of high school and came to work for us, their first job. And your entry level, one of your entry level jobs is being a lot boy, pushing carts in and helping people load up their cars. We have 3,000 of them today that are multimillionaires. They wow. didn't go to college. That's capitalism. That's how capitalism is supposed to work. You work hard. You work smart. You do the best you can. You need some luck, obviously. You need some luck. But all those ingredients are there, and you apply them and watch the wondrous things that will happen to you for the most part. Well, congratulations. Ken, I have a, a question. Given you know, there's, With all the online retailing happening, and it's really affected a lot of the retailers throughout yep. What do you see kind of the future for retail and, and for Home Depot, with, given all the online business going on? I congratulate Amazon for a lot of reasons. I think they've, they've kept their heads about them, and they've provided great services to a lot of people. And the thing I would say is Amazon has made Home Depot a better company. Why? Because they're very good at what they do, and so therefore we have to be better, including offering our customers alternatives to shopping. Some people like to browse in a store. Some people would rather sit at their computer in their home and order whatever it is. We're now able to give that customer that choice and deliver it to his home, or he can pick it up in our store. Amazon, I think, certainly heightened the intensity of our commitment. And so this year, my guess is, this year we'll do about $7 billion in online sales. Jeez. That's a big number. And it'll be up about 20%. And are you, you're an international company? Well, we have stores, in, you want to call it international, Guam. We have them in, uh, we have them in Puerto Rico. We have them in uh, Virgin Islands. We have them in Canada and Mexico, so I guess we're international. If you have yeah, that sounds companies. good to me. Yep. So this is my question. You wrote the, your latest book. Is it just came out? Is called "I Love Capitalism," right? An American story. And I started this whole uh, Rich Dad Radio Show today about: Are you a capitalist, socialist, communist, right. fascist? What are you? And it seems to me in America today there's a battle right now, a major one, you know, between socialism, fascism. And capitalism. So why did you write I Love Capitalism? Obviously, you have some concerns. Well, I do have a lot of concerns. One of them is I've, I've been fortunate to be able to travel the world. And you go to countries where socialism prevails, and you see stagnation. I mean, now, let me back up a minute. The biggest single threat I see to America, in addition to education, is income inequality. 
if we make the gap between the very, very successful people in the country and the very, very people at the bottom of the rung so wide, and it keeps widening, this is how Castro, this is how uh, Chavez, this is how Lenin, this is how all these guys preach to the masses that they were being ripped off and they should do something about it. Now go back later on and look at those countries and say, okay, they did it their way. How did they do? Well, not very well. Now, so, so I, I saw this. I've been to Hungary. I've been to Czechoslovakia. I'm, they said I've been all over. The government, that government which governs least, governs best. I forgot who said it, but one of our former presidents might have been uh, uh, Lincoln or it might have been Washington. But anyway, let the government do what the government should do, which is defense, which is uh, border patrol, all those things. These are all necessary government functions, police, fire. In fact, in many cases, I know in my community out in Long Island, we don't have paid fire department. We have a volunteer fire department, and they all do very well. They all do very – the whole island is essentially uh, manned by volunteer fire departments by town. When I saw these kids in early 16 following Bernie Sanders, it scared the dickens out of me. Scared the dickens out of me. And what's, what scared you about that? You know, I mean, they're that's kind of – before they start. They're giving up before they start. I'm glad you said that. Why do you say that? Yeah, because but it, it's not the impossible dream. No, but what I'm the saying, these guys, these guys haven't even started. They've already That's quit. That's the whole point. And, and they're, they're hanging up their spikes. My God, the game hasn't even begun. Now, why, why, why do you think that's happening? I see well, it, I well, see it I all think, over the place. Part of, it, part of it is the events surrounding their early years. And I'm speaking specifically of the, of the financial havoc of... 2008, 2009, let's say the kid was born, let's say the kid's a freshman in college now, well, he was 16 two years ago. That kid was alert enough, old enough and alert enough to know that we had a mess on our hands in America. His parents might have mentioned he saw it on television. Maybe his father was impacted with his job. But that, that doesn't mean that the system doesn't work. It means like anything, too much of anything is no good. And we now have safeguards in place, just like the Depression of 1929. We put safeguards in place that protected us from another calamity like 1929. So I'm, I'm given part of the responsibility and blame to the events uh, attendant to their lives. Yeah, but let me, uh, okay, let me ask you this question, because I meet a lot of parents of these kids, and they're kind of wimpy, too, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't know. I don't call them wimps. I call them stargazers, okay? I mean, government, government, if you want a good example of not letting government do it, the VA. Turn the VA over, turn all of the functions of the VA over, the health side, to private sector, whether it's philanthropic. I mean, for example, our medical center here in New York, NYU Langone Medical Center, staffs all the doctors at the VA hospital down here on 17th Street and 1st Avenue. So, so it, it, you can work it. Right. We, look, when people have incentives, they typically work better. When you're going to run a race and you know you're going to get a trophy at the end of a race, you're going to work a little harder. But if you're going to get running a race and not get any acknowledgement of having won, why make the effort? Yeah, but did, did, did somebody have to offer you a trophy, Ken, to go build no. Home Depot? Look, look, mom and dad did their best. They worked hard. God bless them. They were not educated. Mom went to the seventh grade. Dad went to the eighth grade. 
they worked like hell. Money was always tight, and I made on made my mind up. Uh, thank God we had plenty of food. We had a warm house. We didn't have air conditioning because that was really luxurious. We had a small little house out in Long Island, and uh, I didn't know I was poor, but I knew that I could have a better life if I had some money. So what happened? Uh, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Ken Lancone. He's a co-founder of Home Depot. I mean, those are mega, mega, mega stores. And he's, really, he's the author of his latest book, I Love Capitalism, An American Story. He's talking about when he saw Bernie Sanders running against Hillary and Trump, he saw the American kids kind of quitting before they even start the race here. And what I want to find out is what he sensed the, where the thing started, but more importantly is what can you and I do. Any comments there, Kim? The media seems to be playing on this apathy and, whoa, America's horrible. And, and that's why I thank you for writing your book, because you're giving us such a positive message. How, much, how, do, we, how do we turn around the message or how much of an impact is the media having we have to let these kids understand that they're following the Pied Piper. That's what they're doing. And it does not have a happy ending. Ken, hold that thought because we'll be right back. The question, sure. the question, you know, like I wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And my poor dad was a Ph.D., you know, great, really great, great father, good man. Right. But he knew nothing about money. And I would say, although he was Republican, he was more socialist. And then my rich dad was a man who never went to school, but he was a hardcore capitalist. Right. And when we come back, you know, I think we're on to a very serious problem. Like you said, this gap is so big right now that we are well, on the seeds of, re of revolution. So when we I come agree. back, we'll be talking to you more about okay. what you think is going on inside our school system. We'll be right back. Okay. Okay. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Log on to richdadradio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for two reasons. Number one is because repetition is how we learn. For example, you can't be a great golfer if you don't take a couple of more than one or two cuts at the ball. And secondly, the reason we archive them is so that you can l share this program with fans, family, and business associates. Because if you listen to this program again, you'll learn more. But when you discuss it with friends, family, and business associates, you even you, you expand the learning. So our guest today is the famous Ken Lango, and I mean he is famous. Every time I see him on the uh, like CNBC, everybody listens to what he has to say. 
He's a co-founder of Home Depot, and I was just there the other day, and man, that's, that is beyond a store, man. That is a mega store. I hope you spent a lot of money. I did, I did. <laughs> I've, I've built several houses out of Home Depot. Good. Anyway, Good. but, um, and he's the author of I Love Capitalism, an American Story, and he's here because he's concerned what's happening to America. This gap is so big between the haves and have-nots right now Historically, that's always been the seeds of revolution. Any comments, Kim? The in- income inequality, how did it Well, I think they go hand in hand. I mean, this is like a ham and cheese sandwich. I think you'll do a lot to solve income inequality if you raise the level of uh, competence that kids accumulate through their grammar and high school years. Not everybody's made for college. And... There's, a lot, there's any number of jobs in America today that are going crying for people to take them, but they haven't got the qualifications. And we're not talking about engineering or exotic science. We're talking about basic skills. And so I really believe it's not going to be a quick fix because it took a long time to get here, and it's going to take some time to get back. But we've got to look at the issue of income inequality in totality. We've got to say, okay, we can arbitrarily tell a corporation they've got to pay somebody more money. But if that corporation doesn't get a return on that investment in that person, that corporation will not live for long. And then everybody loses. And a good I, an example I give all the time is Eastman Kodak. When Kodak was thriving, Rochester, New York, knew no bounds to whatever their appetite was because Kodak was there to give it to them. Well, Kodak made some bad strategic decisions. And look at all those job losses and look yeah, they, what happened to Rochester. Yeah, they invented the digital camera and didn't exploit well, they invented they, it. Te- and, they, and they suppressed it because they were afraid it would cannibalize their little yellow boxes. Well, guess what? Somebody else did it for them. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, look, look business, the, business is not without error or without mistake. But this notion, let the government do it for you, well, that's all well and good. Who pays for it? And how do you generate the, the, the assets? to reward the people who deliver the goods. So, Ken, let me ask this question. Have you ever gone to speak to a public school? Yes. What, yes. What, what, how's the response? Well, I think I probably make teachers a little uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, think they, I, think they, I think they need to be held accountable more. I think, I think the standards we have applied to requirements to teach can be dramatically elevated and should be dramatically elevated. I, I think a good basic measure is a teacher that can't pass the test that he's giving his student shouldn't be teaching that student. But isn't isn't that the same problem with the VA? I mean, it's a government agency, basically? Well, the VA, what I say is, and a very good friend of mine is knee-deep in trying to help the VA, a fellow named Mike Perlmutter, very, very successful man, and he's volunteering for the president to work on the VA issue. I think that the VA initially meant well. But over a period of time and over, over its growth, something happened that the standards aren't what they should be. I mean, it's outrageous for somebody to have to wait six months to get an appointment if they have a chronic or if they have a serious disease. So we're talking about so, the Veterans Administration Hospital. You know, I, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a veteran. I would never go there. Just well, because. Why? Why wouldn't you go there? Because the quality wasn't what you wanted. So let me ask this question. Uh, yeah. is, is Home Depot unionized? No. What would happen if your workers wanted to unionize? If all workers wanted to unionize, we'd respect their wishes. But 
those 3,000 kids I told you about becoming multimillionaires, that wouldn't have happened. Because they'd have worked for wages, period, and that's it. So how do those kids become multimillionaires? Well, we've had a policy, and I'm happy to tell you to this day, it's almost 40 years ago we opened our first door, we had a policy that the minute you come to work for us at Home Depot, you're a stockholder. We make you a stockholder. And we have programs in the company, such as a stock savings plan. We have all kinds of programs that allow you to participate in the success of the company. For example, in our stores, we have what we call success sharing, where depending on the store making its numbers, each person in the store, everybody, every single headcount, gets paid a bonus, and it's done every six months. So every six months, if the store success shares, those people in that store get a bonus. And it depends, of course, on longevity and all these other factors. But the point is, when a kid sells somebody something in our store, he knows it's going to a goal that he'll get rewarded for if they make that goal. That's capitalism. That's incentive. That's what you want. Look, uh, to say we're all equal as humans, you're right. As creatures, we're right. Now, I would love to be able to play basketball like LeBron James, but that ain't going to happen because <laughs> I haven't got the talent. Should LeBron James not be paid what he's paid because I can't play as good as he can and therefore they couldn't afford to pay me what they pay him? This is, all, this is how capitalism ties all, everything up. So let me ask. Let me ask. Let me let me play devil's yeah. advocate to you. So, yeah. what would you, if you were face to face with a guy like Bernie Sanders, who's talking about a paycheck for everybody without working, how would you negotiate that conversation? I'd start by telling him to get a life. <laughs> I sakes, I mean, look at the guy. He got elected from what? From what? Six hundred thousand people. Yeah. He got elected from. So here he is. And, and he, he went to a national stage, and I give him credit. He tapped into a nerve in America. Look at the crowds he got. What would I tell him? I would ask him to do a study, or have somebody do a study for him, of socialism around the world and how well it worked for the people. But, Ken, don't you think they know that when they're inciting these yes. emotional yes. riots? Yes. And what they're doing is they're playing on the emotions and the disappointments of people to get themselves elected. That's and what that's what you're saying. And, and that's, that's what, what you're doing. saying. As long as this gap gets wider and wider and wider, it's easier mm -hmm. to play into that mm -hmm. emotion, right? Mm -hmm. You're right. Any suggestions? So yeah. Encourage capitalism. That's my best <laughs> suggestion. You're a brave man. Look at the hot dog stands all over. Every one of those guys is an entrepreneur. Right. Every one of them. They don't know how much they're going to make today, but they're out there. And the guy that makes the most money, who has the best hot dog or the best service or a smile on his face, or when it begins to drizzle, he doesn't quickly fold up his tent and go home. People are going to, some people will eat hot dogs in a light drizzle. But the point I'm making is every, every, every delicatessen, every restaurant, every dry cleaning establishment, they're all entrepreneurs to the backbone of America. Your Ace Hardware Store friend, he was an entrepreneur. Now, the, the one thing about capitalism is it's brutal. <laughs> there's no room, there's no yes, room for failure. There's no room for failure, and that's the way it's supposed to work. But the, uh, but the great thing about capitalism, if you fail, you can come back. You can, they, don't throw, they don't throw you in jail or put you in the stockade. You know Absolutely what I mean? not. You stand Look, back up. I had a friend of mine 
who was the golf coach at Wake Forest University in North Carolina, Jesse Haddock. And I said, Jesse, tell me how you look at the kids that might be the, have the greatest career possibilities. He said, Ken, it's simple. When I see a kid taking a, bad dub, a double bogey on a hole, meaning that he's too over par, and the next hole he comes back and makes a birdie, I know that kid's got a shot. You've got to be able to bounce back from adversity. You've got to be able to pick yourself up. Capitalism, to me, one of the most essential ingredients is optimism. You've got you to think positive. You've got to be an optimist. You've got to see the potential. You've got to be mindful of the dangers and the risks. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have some passion and enthusiasm. And it's how you relate to people. I, I often tell people that the three most powerful things I know in life, the three most powerful things are a kind word, a thoughtful gesture, and passion and enthusiasm for what you're doing. People will buy in to a, a situation where they see, hey, that guy looks like he's having fun, or he's having a good time, or he believes in what he's doing. I'm going to join him. So it's a kind word, a thoughtful gesture, and... and passion and enthusiasm for everything you're doing. That's outstanding. Hey, before we end, uh, can we ask your opinion of Mr. Trump, President Donald Trump? Well, his style is different than mine. <laughs> I will, I will, well, I say kind word, thoughtful gesture, but he's got the passion. Well, let me tell you why. I voted for him, and I'd vote for him again. He's doing good. I'll tell you why. We're addressing a lot of things that have been pushed down the road for too long. Korea. Korea, this guy in Korea has been allowed to get ahead of steam up over 20 years. Four presidents, two Republicans, two Democrats. The guy's nuclear capabilities only got stronger and stronger and stronger over that time. Trump has now brought the thing to a head. Trade, not, not, I don't believe in tariffs. Tariffs will not work. I'm hoping that what he's doing, the noise he's making with tariffs, is a ploy as a tactic to get people to sit down and say, come on, guys, we've got to fix this. Why, why do we have a 100% tariff on every car we make in America and sell to Germany? And why is the tariff on a German car made in America only 2.5%? That's a good question. That's unequitable. Right. What I'm saying is I like the results. Uh, it's the different style than I would apply, but so far I've got to give him credit. He's getting it done. He's got one out of three. He has no kind words. He has no thoughtful gestures, but he does have passion. Well, let me tell you what. <laughs> Believe it or not, I know stories about this man being kind and thoughtful. Oh, I know. He's, fa he's fabulous, man. He, he's, done, he's done some great things for others in his life yeah. that I, w I would put him in a category of kind. Yeah, he and, I, he and I have written two books together. I'm the only guy to do oh, that. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, he's a great guy. Is, is one of the solutions to put more business people into politics? Oh, I'm glad you raised that point. Trump is encouraging people who had no interest in politics before to saying, hey, he did it, maybe I can do it. I'm thinking about Mike Bloomberg. I'm thinking about Jamie Dimon. I'm thinking about uh, Howard Schultz. Now, these are all different political stripes, but I don't care. If The more we can convince people that our political elite are not born and to the matter born, and unless you're born into that royalty, you can't be in politics. I think the one thing Trump has done is encouraging people who've never had anything to do with politics to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I can help. I, I like I like I actually like his style. You know, he's shaking well, everybody up. So everybody, he's uh, shaking everybody up. I, I just wish, as I said, that, that. But again, how can I quarrel? 
I saw his style in the campaign, which is the same as it is now, and he won. Who the hell can argue with success? <laughs> hey, Kim, final question. So somebody starting a business today, what would what advice would you give them? They're just starting out. They want to be an entrepreneur. Today. I would urge them that unless they do an in-depth analysis that gives the enterprise a chance of success, they shouldn't do it. You don't, you don't start a business by the seat of your pants. And I think I would urge them that give it a shot. Be sure when I say give it a shot, it has a shot of making or selling a service that people want. That's my advice. One I, more thought. Sure. Never allow any opportunity to impair or compromise your ethics or your values, ever. Amen. Amen. So, Ken, you know, uh, I know your time is tight. I really thank you for what you've allotted well, us. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your contribution to our society. Well, I'm thrilled to do it. I'm, I'm a proud American. That's all I can tell you. And I'm a humble American. Thank you. Have so, a nice day. Thank you, Ken. Nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ken. Thank Bye. you very much. So when we come back, we'll be going to one of the more popular parts of our program. It's Ask Robert. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, I want to thank Ken Langone. You know, he is the co-founder of Home Depot, massive operation. And his, his latest book is I Love Capitalism, an American Story. And he's very, very concerned about what's happening to America, especially with the youth. You know, and they, they quit too early. They quit before they start. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you will fail. And the question is, can you stand up again? Can you learn from your mistakes? But in our school system, we, we teach kids that if you fail, you're stupid, and they stay down. And that, that's really tragic because this gap between the rich and everybody else is now at an all-time high. And exactly as Ken Langone says, it's going to, it always leads to revolt. You know, it's anarchy. So anyway, this is the Rich Dad Radio Show. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them so you can listen to them again. But more importantly, share with friends, family, and associates. And discuss this program because we are fighting for the soul of capitalism right now. Because in my opinion, we're teaching communism, socialism, and fascism, which is the worst, in our school systems today. So you can submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. 
and Kim is coming in from our home in Honolulu, Hawaii. So uh, this is Ask Robert. So Kim, any comments on what you thought about Ken's? Well, I, I absolutely love Ken's energy. I love his message because when I look at these young kids, like he said, following Bernie Sanders, saying everybody gets a trophy, um, and what Ken is saying, he says you've got to have passion and enthusiasm for whatever you do. And what I'm seeing is the media and, and these these political ruling class is basically kind of undermining these kids and taking away that spirit and that energy and saying, oh, you're doomed. And Ken's message is one of optimism. It's one that anybody can be an entrepreneur. Um, it, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of optimism in his message, and I, and I love that. And he, he has earned the right <laughs> by building all of Home Depot and his background. So I thought, it, um, I thought his message and his book, I Love Capitalism, is more important now than ever. So, Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Kendall in Newark, New Jersey. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, Robert, you've preached for 20 years about the fact that the school system doesn't teach financial education. I would argue that in the last few years, they are teaching kids about money in the form of socialism. What's your opinion on this? Man, I want to thank you for that question because that's like a kick in my head. I never saw it that way that teaching socialism and fascism and Bernie Sanders Sanderism is financial education. But it's, you know, it's not the kind of financial education I think that makes people productive and all that. So that's, I really want to thank you for that question. And the reason I, I call Hawaii the People's Republic of Hawaii is because that's what Forbes magazine called Hawaii where Kim is right now. And Kim and I have friends who are leaving Hawaii because it's become fascist. I mean, you know, there's not one Republican, not that we're Republican or Democrat, but it's going more and more, you know, to equality for everybody. Now, in a democracy, that's great. You know, we should have people, we should have equality for everybody, but not at the expense that those who want to strive and become wealthy. But there's a war right now, in my opinion, between those who just want to be given money and those who are striving to, you know, the impossible dream. Any comments, Kim? Well, yes, in Hawaii, there, there was one Republican um, politician, and he kind of got ousted, so it's all Democrat. But, for example, um, Hawaii is a very good example of what's happening nationwide. I mean, for example, our property taxes in Hawaii on our house here, because we're non-residents, they tripled our property taxes. It's like the only thing government knows to do is to tax people, and we're going to take it from people who have money and give it to people who don't have money, whether they work or not, whether they earn it or not. And I think that's the message that's killing America is you don't have to do anything to earn your money. That We're just going to give it to you. And that goes against everything Ken's talking about in his book about capitalism. If you want this American dream, whatever you call it, you got to go out and work for it, and you got to go bust your you-know-what to make it happen. You don't just sit back and collect a check. So I think. So what do you again, think? What do you think they're teaching kids right now in schools? Well, they are teaching them about. Um, Government owes you a living, right? Yes. Yes. That everybody never, should be. I never saw it that way either. That yeah. yeah, everybody gets a trophy. You know, our our good friend Craig, who's a a star athlete, he he was ranting and raving one day because he was coaching his little league team, and there was they weren't keeping score. Well, everybody everybody wins. Well, those kids know who won and who, who lost. They know damn well who won and who lost. 
So they're teaching everybody should be equal, everybody should be the same, don't, don't excel more than somebody else. It's, it's crazy. I think it's absolutely crazy. I, I call it social engineering more than financial education. Yeah. And they're just yeah. trying to make everybody equal, which is part of the democratic process. You know, there is this, in a democracy, there is this equality part of it, but there's also the striving. You know, that you want to get ahead of everybody else. And I don't know about you, but I like having nice things. I don't want to be equal. I don't want to just drive the same Hyundai or Lexus or, you know, I want the better life. And, and but, actually, but that's gone today. Yeah, and there actually are studies that thriving and, and, and going and, and challenging yourself and excelling and, and thriving for a better life is very human characteristic. It's a very human characteristic, and I think part of this whole social education is taking away kids' spirit. I really do. I think it's taken away their spirit. I think it's taken away their self-worth, and I think that's criminal. So anyway, I really think that was a fantastic question simply because I never saw it as that they're actually, that's actually a form of financial education. It's called UI, universal income. It's like everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets a check. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Ian in... Edmonton, Canada, favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What do you mean by making money work for us and not working for money? Well, I think you should read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, because the the problem with going to school is they, they tell you to go to school and get a job and work hard for money. And the problem with that is that uh, the people that work hardest for money pay the highest taxes. So all I'm saying is real financial education. You should ask the question. I said, how come the guys who don't work for money pay no taxes? Yeah, that's really the question. And until you open your mind up, like I said, all coins have three sides, heads, tails, and the edge. You know, why is it the rich don't pay taxes? Trump doesn't pay taxes because he doesn't work for money. He has assets. He has investments. You know, Kim and I have real estate. And the average person, because they went to the communist school system that my poor dad was in charge of, they don't understand that. The rich don't pay taxes because they don't work for money. They create jobs. As we have Tom Wheelwright, he wrote the book Tax-Free Wealth. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but if you want to just keep going to school and getting that high-paying job, you'll just pay higher and higher taxes. Any comments, Kim? Well, that goes right into the argument we've had from day one, which is why don't they teach financial education in school? Well, they are. They're teaching communism. <laughs> communism and socialism. <laughs> but I, I just know for me, when I, I mean, I was raised just like you're talking about, Robert, you know, to get that paycheck. And, and if I work hourly, up my hourly wages and just work harder and work smarter, but keep working for that paycheck. And it wasn't until I changed my focus from acquiring a paycheck and acquiring income when I focus to acquiring assets like real estate, like businesses, things like that, that shift in my mind was never taught at school. And I mean, that's why we have the cash flow board game because that, that cash flow board game teaches you to make that shift in your mind from acquiring money to acquiring assets. And that's, what, that's to me what real financial freedom is. You have the assets that are creating the cash flow that sets you free. And though I mean, the, the Wall Street that's... Journal that last Saturday and Sunday just came out with an interesting thing is this baby boom generation, it's my generation, they're in trouble because they've worked so hard for money all their lives, they have no income now that they're retired. So the thing yeah. we always say is that 
the test of your success is if you stop working today, how much money keeps coming in? Nah. For most people, it's nothing. Yeah. And that's what happens when you work for money. So one of the things, you know, when Kim and I met, it was that we wanted to retire early so we could test, you could, you know, pressure test the system. You know, is it, can we actually stop working someday? So that's when, you know, Kim stopped at 36 and I was 46 or something. And we didn't have to work for money anymore. But you'll never know because as long as you keep working for money, you think you have income. But that's earned income or not, not is taxed income. So that's why we, we say the question for you is wake up and understand there is financial education, but the question is, if you stop working today, how much income comes in and are you secure? And if no income is coming in, I'd punt. I would do something. I would wake up. So anyway, I want to thank you for all listening to uh, Ask Robert. You can submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. And once again, thanks to Ken Langone. His author is I Love Capitalism, an American Story. And also, he is the co- Len Ken is the co-founder of Home Depot. So, Kim, any final words from the People's Republic of Hawaii? <laughs> it's a beautiful place out here, but, uh, yeah, their politics are a little messed up, as is the U.S., and I just, again, really thank Ken for writing his book, I Love Capitalism. Um, one thing about, Robert, to your point of, you know, people don't have anything because the rules have changed so dramatically, and I look back on mom and dad, um, they used to be able to save money where it made them money, you know, if there was 10 or 12% interest. But you can't do that anymore today. The rules have totally changed, and they're teaching the same old thing, you know, save money, get out of debt, all of that. They're teaching the same thing, but the rules have changed, and it's not the same as it was. So we really you do have to wake up and start doing things differently. So once again, thank you all for listening, and thanks to Ken Langone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.